Hello, everyone. Welcome to Compass Teachers Show. I'm your host, Tiffany. My job is to interview teachers around the world and tease out their teaching tactics, education research, or tools they use. Hopefully, this show can offer some ideas for you to experiment in your classroom. So it is on about amplifying your students' voices. We are really happy to have Kelly Gordano join us to share her teaching strategy of years. Kelly Gordano is a middle-level language arts educator, a blogger at Curriculum Coffee, a writer for the Teachers on Fire magazine, and a director of curriculum and instruction for Teacher Better Team. Kelly is a dynamic educator who is passionate about student voices, promoting equity, and following teachers as professionals. Without further ado, let's enjoy our conversation with Kathleen. Welcome to our show, Kelly. Hi! Thank you so much for having me, Tiffan. I'm excited to be here. So,、um, Kelly, you play so many roles in education sector, which is absolutely amazing to me. Not only you are a sixth grade teacher, but also an instructor in Northwestern University Center for Talent Development, and working for the Teach Better team. So, other than being a sixth grade teacher, how did you decide if you want to take on these roles and thus actualize your beliefs in education? So,、uh, getting involved outside of just my classroom was something that.、Uh, Kind of found me in a way.、Uh, I knew that I wanted to do more. I knew that I wanted to influence the field in a bigger way and get to work with not just students but also other educators. And so、uh, I started my blog. I started writing. I started kind of putting my ideas out there. And because of that, ended up getting the opportunities to work with other students through Northwestern and work on honing my skills in gifted education. And then、uh, through the Teach Better team, I, I actually met Ray Hewart,、uh, who is a member of the team and like the face of the team, so to speak.、Uh, I actually met her a few times at different conferences where we were both presenting, and she just pitched the idea. She's like, "Hey, I have an opportunity for you to get involved and." And do more. Like, is that something you are interested in? And it definitely found me at the right time because that was where I was. I was at. I didn't really know how to do it. I just knew that I wanted to do more. And so it was exciting to be able to kind of realize that and see that happen in front of me. So I would say it started with really just being very. Open and putting what I thought out there and sharing my philosophy either on my blog or through presenting at conferences and just kind of like putting it out there and yeah it was it was kind of cool how it happened from that yeah that's amazing so you mentioned that you were at a point that you don't know how to do it and. Then Ray pitched to you the idea of joining Teach Better Team. So I'm curious, what's the、uh, thing that you really want to do specifically, and you didn't know how to do it? 
Yeah. So uh, I think the issue was that I didn't really know what I wanted to do specifically. (laughs) Um, It was more so just like, okay, I want to have a bigger reach outside of just my classroom. I want to do more than just teach sixth graders, which I love doing, but I wanted to take the ideas and the philosophy that I had that really resounded on student voice and student empowerment. And I wanted to take that bigger than just my one room. And I didn't really know how, and I didn't really know like what that even looked like or like what even, what, what that even meant. And so uh, I would say like it, and it was kind of almost like mentoring in a way where, you know, you want to do something. You don't necessarily know what it is. You don't know how you just know you want to do more. And so that's kind of like where I was at when Ray pitched that idea to me. And so I would say like, it's, it's a hard question to answer because I don't think I had a specific thing like I want to work with teachers or I want to do this. I think it was just an idea of I want to have a bigger impact. I want to do more. I want to share my philosophy with more people. And it kind of just went from there. Got it. As you brought up amplifying student voices, um, so what you are why are you passionate about this specific topic? Have you been passionate about it since you were a baby teacher or any experience that triggered you to really doing something around this? So I would say that um, it's not something I've always been passionate about. It's not something that's always been at the forefront of my teaching. I don't really think that I realized how passionate I was about it until I saw it working in my classroom with my kids. So when I started, um, when I started teaching, I was in the same district for six years. And my district was taking these steps towards personalized learning and towards empowering our learners to really take a more active role in their education. And so I was challenged because I was in that district to start doing some of those things. And at first, it seemed very overwhelming, like, oh, my gosh, like, if I have students that all want to do different things or have different ideas or different opinions, like, how do I even do that? And being a newer teacher, I was really overwhelmed by that thought. And so I started taking on like small pieces of it at a time and just trying to find different ways to incorporate like my students choices, their voices into the classroom. And once I started seeing how powerful it was to see them own their education, to empower them to make choices for themselves. That was like a light bulb moment. It changed everything because I realized just how important it is to give them or to allow them that active role. And when you allow that transfer of ownership to happen, you see like actual growth in your kids. You see them become these active, empowered, engaged learners. And once I saw it happen, I was like, oh my God, everyone needs to know about this. So uh, I think this is a good segue that we talk more about amplifying students' voices. So before we dive into the strategies that you use in your classroom, I wonder... For you personally, what does he mean by giving your students voices? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. So I think it's important to stop and ask ourselves, like, do we really have the power to give the voice? And the answer is like, no, our students all have voices. They do. 
it's whether or not we're willing to let them use their voices in our classrooms. And a lot of that has to do with kind of taking a step back and reassessing what you believe your role is in the classroom. And when you think about it, is your role the person like the giver of knowledge? Are you the one that's going to stand up at the front and tell them everything they need to know and tell them what to do and how to do it? If that's what you think your role is as a teacher, like, I'm sorry, but you need to rethink it because your role is to guide. Your role is to help them become the people that they're going to be and provide them with the tools that they need, the instruction that they need to get there. But you're not the giver of that voice or that knowledge. You're there to help cultivate it, to help them learn to use their voices for what they're passionate about, to learn, to move forward. And so I would say it looks a lot like just reassessing your role and what you what you want your classroom to be. Do you want your classroom to be a place where you just give content knowledge to your kids and you just tell them what to do and how to do it all the time? Or do you want it to be a place of real growth and real learning and real progress? Because if it's the second one, then you need to take that step back. You need to give them that ownership and allow them to use their voices in your classroom, which sometimes looks like sitting back, shutting up and letting them go. Is there any stories that you can share that you observed the difference before and after you help them to use their voices? Yeah, definitely. So I am an English teacher. I teach reading, writing, speaking, listening. And one of the projects that uh, we do, one of the units that I teach is on research writing. So we write informational pieces and then students usually give a presentation afterwards. Now, uh, back in like when I had first started teaching, this unit was done in a very structured way. Students had to take a career aptitude test and then they had to research the career that they were matched with. They had to take notes, they had to write a paper, they had to give like a 10 minute speech about the career and everybody gave the same information about it. So it's very prescribed by me. I told them what to do. I told them what they were gonna share. I told them how to do it. So very rigid, it's not a lot of student voice there. Um, I changed the project some years ago to be a passion project. And the passion project was born of this idea that we can research something, we can write about something, we can present on something, and we might be a little more invested in that process if we care about the thing we're researching. So I opened it up and I asked my students, I'm like, so if you could learn about anything you wanted at all, what would, what would you want to learn about? What would you want to spend time in my class researching and learning about and then teaching your peers about? Like, what, what would you want to do? What are you passionate about? What do you love? What is something you could do with that information when you have it? So it became, it went from being this very like cookie cutter, everyone's going to write the same paper and give the same presentation to being this project that my kids actually got to explore something that they might make a career out of or that they might do something with like starting a coat drive, starting a food drive, 
doing something. I had one girl end up presenting to the board of education about a curriculum change that she thought needed to happen for social emotional learning. This was an 11 year old presenting to the board of education, this project that she had researched because she thought it was important. It literally became this amazing thing that never would have happened if I hadn't taken this approach to empowering my kids to learn about something that they were passionate about, and then giving them the encouragement to do something with it, to actually take that voice that they that they had discovered and use it to do something. So that's like probably the best example I can give of how how much this can change your practice and your learners. Wow. So uh, you are a powerhouse in inspiring students to find their voices in writing. So if a teacher wants to include more voices and choices in their own writing class, do you have any tips that you would give them? Oh, yeah. Okay. So writing in like English classrooms, y'all, that's the easiest place to get student voice because writing is voice. It is them communicating. Like that's what writing is. And so it's the easiest place to make this shift. So I have a couple of suggestions. Um, you can either change up the and give students choice in the product that they're creating. So if you're doing narrative writing, do all students need to write the same narrative or can they do a graphic novel? Can they create like a play by play? Can they write a play? give them that choice in how they're going to write the narrative. When it comes to things like informational writing or argumentative writing, give them choice in the topic, what they're writing about. We can teach the informational writing skills. We can teach the argumentative writing skills, and they can do that with whatever they want. With argumentative writing specifically, it's awesome because if anybody has ever graded argumentative essays, it is a pain in the butt to read the same essay 92 times because everybody's writing about the same topic that you chose for them. When you give them the freedom to choose their own topic, they're actually writing about something that they care about most of the time. So not only is their writing better, but it's more interesting to grade and to read. <laughs> um, so those are like my top two tips. If you have room in the way that they can show you that writing or the way that they can show that skill, give them that choice and how they're going to show it. If it's a traditional writing classroom and they have to do a written piece, give them choice in the topic that they're going to write about. It, it increases engagement and ownership, but it also really teaches them like writing is an extension of your voice. It's a way for you to express like what you think, what you feel. And so let's use it. Let's, let's do that. Let's learn how to do that. Is there any students that won't like they just don't know what to write about like they don't know like what they are passionate about and how in that at that point how would you help them that's a, such a good question because it happens all the time especially with like middle schoolers they're like 11 12 years old a lot of them are like passionate i don't know um so it's it's a lot of i call it soul searching in our class so we do a little bit of soul searching especially at the beginning of a unit where we have to like dig in and figure out what we want to write about or what we want our topic to be so for the passion project specifically we do a lot of work in thinking about and reflecting like what are the things i enjoy why do i enjoy them like what makes them enjoyable for me 
is there something I can do with this or something that I want to learn more about? Well, why do I want to learn about that? So we do a lot of like, it's a very reflective process at the beginning of that unit. Instead of just like brainstorming a list of random ideas that they come up with, we really think to ourselves like, okay, if I'm like really into basketball, basketball is my favorite thing. I love it. Well, why do I love it? What is it about basketball that I love? Is it that I love to be active? Is it that I love to be on a team and feel like I have a sense of belonging? Is it that I really enjoy like the fast paced nature of it? So it's it's this very like soul searching beginning to that unit that really helps them hone in on not just what they love, but why they love it. And then we go that next step with now that we know why we love this, we know what we love, we know what we're passionate about. What could I do with that? Is there something I can do with this going forward? Are there action items I can I can take? So it definitely does require some like conferencing with them, some some instruction even on how to reflect about those types of things. So you definitely have to do that part. <laughs> wow. I like, I really like soul searching. So in these parts, um, how much time do you usually need for the reflecting section? I would say it takes like a, like a day, like it takes like a good solid class, like one whole class period to really do that. For some kids, it takes longer because they, they need more like direct one-on-one coaching, which I'm always happy to provide while other kids are like working or they're starting their process. But I would say it probably takes about a day. Also, I want to move on to one of the blog you I really love is feedback from students. And you quote it from Adam Fletcher. He says, it is not enough to simply listen to students' voices. Educators have an ethical imperative to do something with students. And that's why meaningful student involvement is vital to school improvement. So my question is, when you want to seek for students' feedback, what tools you are usually using? And do you have any like structure in framing your questions or feedback form? Yeah, so um, I use Google Forms for this and I keep them anonymous so that my students don't have to share who they are unless they want to. Um, I always tell them like if you put something in there that has your name on it, like I'll know it's you. So if you don't want me to know it's you, don't put your name. Um, and they they take to that pretty quickly. So Google Forms is my go-to. Um, I usually do a Google Form for student feedback at the end of every single unit. And so my questions, typically, I, ha- I start with the same couple questions. So I'll ask a very targeted, specific question about the unit, like, what did you think of the passion project? Or how did the narrative writing unit go for you? And I give them options for that. And I don't make them, I don't make that an open-ended question. I usually just say like, I loved it. It was okay. Or I hated it. And they can select one of those three options. And then the next question after that usually says, why did you pick that? So then they have to tell me like, if they chose that it was okay, why was it okay? If you said that you hated it, why did you hate it? And so that first question is always the same. Like, how did this go for you? And then they tell me. And so when we move on from that, I can usually ask questions that are a little more targeted, a little more specific to any instructional choices that I made. So if I'm giving them like a very open-ended prompt, like the passion project, I'll say something like, how did having so much freedom work for you? 
or in the narrative unit? Like how did choosing your own topic to write about impact your writing? And then that question is always open-ended, the ones I ask about instruction, because they can tell me whatever they think then. They have the opportunity to write and tell me that feedback. I always end the survey with the same question uh, that says, if I were to teach this unit again, what should I do differently? And they give me, that's my favorite question by far. The other questions are more to kind of gauge like my instructional impact and how well my choices in instruction worked for them. The last question is really their opportunity to tell me what I need to do differently going forward. And I'm always so impressed with what they say because they're so thoughtful in the feedback that they give in that they're honest with you and they tell you this is what did not work for me and what you need to change in the future. And to be perfectly honest with you, a lot of the changes I've made to my units have been straight from those surveys and the things that my students have said. So I had a student at one point tell me like, there's too much freedom in the narrative unit. I don't know what to write about. And so I spend way too much time trying to come up Mm -hmm. with a topic. So if you could give us like a choice menu of topics to pick from when we're feeling stuck, that would be really helpful. I created like a choice menu and I had photo prompts. I had like prompt, like written writing prompts to start from. I had like memory jogger sentences and I like provided that to my students the next time I taught the unit. And it was amazing. But I got that idea directly from a kid who gave me feedback on one of these Google form surveys. So I would say like asking, make it consistent. If you do decide to use any kind of student feedback or get student feedback, use the same system every time so they get used to it, they get comfortable with it. Don't require them to give you their name because they won't be as honest with you if you do. And really give them the opportunity to help you improve because it does require a level of vulnerability. Like I'm a middle school teacher and I'm asking middle schoolers to comment on my teaching. Um, So it does require a little bit of that vulnerability but it's worth it because you get so much good out of it. And you can really see how your teaching impacted your learners. That's really amazing. So I really curious, like seems it's anonymous and People can, students can write really uh, open ending answers to your questions and help you to change your instructions. So, you, how did you um, know that you really address their feedback on um, points? Like the next time you ask for feedback, do you ask more like specific feedback around your change? Like, how does that uh, moving forward? That's exactly what I do. So anytime I take their feedback and make a change, I'll add a question that asks specifically about that. So, for example, with the menu of choices for writing uh, in narrative that I provided, the next time I taught that unit, I added a question to the survey that was like, that asked, did having a menu of options help you in your writing process? And so the kids then could comment and tell me, like, was this effective? And then again, I asked that same question at the end, like, if I were to do this differently, what should I change? 
And so having that consistent question at the end continues to get that that quality feedback, that offering of suggestions. But before that, like you can ask those specific pieces about your instruction or about the changes that you've made too. Got it. So do they take the um, feedback form, do the feedback form in class or after the class, they like they can go home and do the feedback? I usually have them do it during class just to make sure that I get the highest number of responses, to be honest with you. Um, I want to make sure... And it's, it's a very cultural thing. So I tell them like straight up, like, I'm not watching you fill this out. I'm not looking at what you're doing. I'm just going to sit here, take your time, do your thing, because I genuinely want your honest feedback. And I've had students ask to do it at home. And that's always fine with me. The goal about the the reason I have them typically do it in class, though, is, is honestly because I want them all to do it. I want everybody to give me feedback. Right. So I ask them to do it while they're with me. Yeah, that's that's smart. So um, since you say that it's in Google Forms, so they would usually take um, with their um, cell phone, their mobile phone? They can do it on a cell phone. They can do it. My school is one-to-one, so they all have their own devices for school. So I have them do it on those typically. Got it. All right. Thank you, Kathleen, for sharing so many great tips and strategies in amplifying students' voices. So the last section I want to get into are some random and big questions. The first one is, in the past few years, what are one to two books that influenced your core values or thinking a lot? Yeah, so I actually have them with me so I can show you the covers and tell you. We have Why They Can't Write by John Warner. This book is uh, any writing teacher ever should read this book. It talks about why students need more choice in the writing classroom, why students need to learn more than just that standard five paragraph essay, and how teaching in such a structured way is really hurting our students as writers and as, as people who need to learn to be able to communicate effectively. So Why They Can't Write by John Warner is one of them. Everybody should read this, I swear. Um, and then the other one is We Got This by Cornelius Minor. This one is all about equity. It's all about really giving your students that opportunity to be who they are in your classrooms and learning how to change your own practice and address your own implicit biases when instructing young students. You can see this book is very well loved by me. Um, mm. I have a lot of notes in it. Wow. Uh, uh-huh. The reason that this book is so solid, though, is that it's very interactive. It asks you to do a lot of reflection and a lot of addressing of your own style, not just of teaching, but of interacting with people, students included. Mm -hmm. And so it helps you really address like who you are as an educator and how you might become more equitable and provide your students with the person that they need you to be and not just the person that you think you are. Um, since you have so many notes on that book, so I'm curious, like, what can you give us an example that you take from that book and really um, realize in your classroom around equity, since it's so important topic in these days? Yeah, so one of the most poignant things in this book that I, I really feel like people need to consider is that your kids should be able to see themselves in your curriculum. And when you do not have a curriculum that your students can really see themselves in, how are they going to get anything out of it? 
So when you're talking about addressing student voice and student choice in your classroom, that is the perfect avenue to allow students to truly see themselves in the content that you teach because they are taking that active, empowered role in it. And truly, this book is kind of what started my journey on that. Your curriculum cannot just be all the same books, like for an English teacher, all the same books by all the same dead white guys. That's not going to work for all of your kids, especially your kids who are not dead white guys. So you really need to make sure that you are addressing that and allowing students to choose things that they see themselves in that work for them, that allow them to see that your content and your curriculum include them too. And lastly, if you have one superwoman power to change the education system in the U.S., what would it be? So that's a really good question. And it's one that I ask myself all the time, to be <laughs> honest with you, because I still feel like even though I have a bigger impact than I had before I was doing extra things outside of my classroom, I still don't feel like my impact is quite big enough. And so I would say if I had the ability to do anything, it would be to just learn as much as I possibly can about the ways that we can address the fact that our education system in the United States is so systemically and institutionally inequitable. It doesn't serve kids the way that it should be. It doesn't serve all kids the way that it should be. It is designed down to its very core to value, benefit, and like prosper a certain group of kids and to almost ignore another. And so if I had the ability to do anything, it would be able to really get people to pay attention to that and do the work that's needed to make that change for the better. Before we close up, Uh, Kathleen, do you have any other thoughts to share? And if our listeners want to see more your uh, sharing in education sector, how they can find you online? Absolutely. So I'm just I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be here talk about the things that I'm passionate about today. So thank you so much, Tiffan. I appreciate that. Um, anybody that's interested in connecting with me or learning more, talking more, I'm always open to connecting with other educators. You can find me at KN Giordano on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all over the place. Um, and then you can also find me at CaitlinGiordano.com. Great. Thank you so much, Kathleen. It's so much fun to talk to you and I learned so much around your teaching strategy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. We will put the things mentioned in the interview to the show notes. If you enjoy our show, welcome to share and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you.